listening to KSQD Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM. I'm your host, Nick. I'm Alina. We're part of Your Future is Our Business, which is a Santa Cruz County nonprofit that helps students ages 10 to 18 explore careers by connecting them to adults through programs such as college and career expos, career panels, and other work-based learning activities. You're listening to our show, What to Be, where we interview and highlight the career journeys of inspirational people in Santa Cruz County. If you've ever thought, hmm, how do they get that job, or what is that job really like, then keep on listening. We would like to remind listeners that the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or Your Futures Our Business. Please note that the information provided during this program does not reflect this career in its entirety. Today we're joined by our guest Meg Yarnell, who is a Behavioral Health Program Manager at the County of Santa Cruz Children's Behavioral Health. And Meg, can you tell us what is behavioral health? Sure. So behavioral health refers to the services targeted for mental health, substance use disorder, and the kind of vast range of things that impact our brains and the health of our brains. And what does it mean to be a program manager? A program manager is somebody who is helping to direct and manage in my case, the services provided to children and youth involved with the child welfare system, aka CPS, or the Department of Family and Children's Services in our county, as well as kids that are involved with our juvenile justice programs in the county. And how did you get into behavioral health? Well, I'm a social worker. So I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And I, when I went to college, I thought for sure I would be interested in psychology. And so I went to Rutgers University. Um, I think I was really searching to try to kind of figure out my mixed up family. And so I was in my freshman year and I took Psych 101 and I was studying and adjusting to life in college. And let's just say that first semester didn't go that great. And um, I actually came home on academic probation and I got a D in that Psychology 101 course. So my dad sat me down and uh, my dad was an FBI agent. So he has a way of um, getting to you. And he let me know that if these grades continued, I wouldn't be going back to Rutgers. And by the way, he thought that if I was really going to go into psychology, I sure better take that Psych 101 class again. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, was very motivated to stay in college and got back that for the second semester. I did take this like 101 course again and I studied my butt off. I was really focused and I failed it the second time. Oh my God. <laughs> I did much better than the rest of my classes, so I was no longer on academic probation, but I started really questioning if I couldn't get through Psych 101, how on earth would I ever major in psychology? So at that point, I started kind of exploring other avenues. I wound up taking a social work class, like an intro to social work, which at the time I really didn't know much about. And it just made perfect sense. It all clicked for me. And I realized, oh, this is exactly what I want to do. So then I, you know, finished my bachelor's degree in social work. And in in social work, you really can't make a very good living if you just have a bachelor's degree. So the university I went to had an accelerated master's program, and I was able to get an internship at the Department of Veteran Affairs, which helped kind of provide a stipend. And then I went and got my master's. So that's kind of how I got my start. And I was a a social worker working in my first job out of that master's program was at a community mental health center in Florida, where I was working with adults who had major serious and persistent mental illness. And so I did that job and that was kind of how I got my start. Then I wound up being interested in working with children. And so I did some volunteer work because I didn't have any real experience prior to that. So I was volunteering at a juvenile detention center in Florida, which really... Are you originally from Florida? No, I'm actually from New Jersey. 
Um, and um, so anyway, so I was volunteering at the detention center and then I wound up getting a position working in a school-based program, working with children. And so that was a great experience working in collaboration with teachers, kids that had um, significant learning disabilities and mental health issues that were really getting in the way of them being able to achieve academically. So I did that for a while. Then I um, was hired for a residential program in Florida that worked with abused and neglected teenage girls. And so I did that work for some time. And then I relocated to Oakland, California. And I also was working in the Oakland Public Schools in uh, the Sabrani Park neighborhood of Oakland, working with teens and elementary age kids. And then I wound up moving to the Santa Cruz area and eventually wound up getting a job at the county as a clinical social worker in mental health. And what would you say like a day or week of yours looks like? As a program manager, um, I meet with supervisors on a regular basis. And so I supervise three different supervisors at the county. Two of them are supervising teams of social workers and uh, marriage and family therapists who are working with children and youth that are involved with the child welfare system. Most of those kids have been removed from their families and are either in the process of reunifying with them or on a permanency plan, either looking for a permanent guardianship or an adoptive home, something like that. I also supervise uh, somebody who is our supervisor on the juvenile justice side who supervises. We have clinicians that work up at the juvenile hall providing mental health and support services to kids who are up there, as well as the Evening Center program, which is a detention alternative program in the county in Watsonville. And he also supervises a team of clinicians um, providing outpatient services. And so I meet with those supervisors. I attend a lot of meetings mm-hmm. around you know, different things that are coming up or things that we're trying to implement at the county um, to strengthen our clinical services, as well as meeting with clinicians about difficult cases or, you know, different areas where they might need some help. Do you miss working like directly with the kids? When I applied to become a supervisor, I really didn't think I was going to get hired. Um, I had some supervisory experience, so I I wasn't really planning on leaving clinical work. And then I wound up getting the job and it was like, oh, wow. And I absolutely missed that. contact with clients. I think probably if I was still single and didn't have my own family, I would probably go into private practice or something like Mm -hmm. that to to maintain that because it is such an honor and privilege to work as a social worker. And it's, you know, I mean, I think there's a misconception that it's really hard work. It can be on your heart, but it's also so rewarding and meaningful, the work that we do. Um, And like I said, it's just an honor to be part of the profession. What would you say some of the most challenging or rewarding parts of the job? Um, I think some of the most challenging aspects of the job is that you're, for us at the county, so we serve, our mandate is to serve folks with Medi-Cal. So we're really serving the poorest folks in our community. And especially living in a a community like Santa Cruz with such a high cost of living and and Mm -hmm. all of the housing challenges that we have, I mean, it can be heartbreaking to see how families are trying to survive and struggling in our community. But some of the most rewarding stuff is is really working with those families, seeing how resilient they are, how strong they are, the different ways that they support each other and, and um, others in the community. And then also really the work of helping people heal and recover from trauma and, and stress, you know, makes the job really rewarding. And if you were to hire someone to replace you, what kind of skills or qualities would you be looking for in a candidate? Hmm. So I think at the program management level, you have to kind of, 
you're really serving the folks below you. So really supporting the supervisors and providing them with support and resources to help them support the clinicians that are the Mm -hmm. front lines. And then you're also serving those above you. So like my department head, who's, you know, the director of children's behavioral health and the behavioral health director, and then also supporting all the strategic plans that the county has. So you're, you're needing to do both. So you need somebody that can do all, you know, think about all that. Um, I think you really need good clinical skills because there's a lot of, our county is part of what's called a system of care county, which means that like for us, children's behavioral health, we partner closely with the Department of Family and Children's Services and um, the Juvenile Probation Department and schools and CASA and a lot of the different providers in the community. So keeping those relationships good and and guess what? Sometimes we all don't agree on on how to proceed. So finding ways to strategically really work together and build on the strengths of those collaborations is really important. I think that I would definitely be looking for someone who was bilingual and Mm -hmm. potentially bicultural. I mean, one thing that the county is really focused on is having a workforce that represents the community and certainly in children's behavioral health at the management level. We're largely a white-led team. We have a new children's behavioral health director who is bilingual and bicultural, which is great, bringing a different voice and perspective into the room. Those are definitely things I would also be looking for. Mm -hmm. For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What to Be at KSQD 90.7 FM Santa Cruz. I'm Melina, and I'm joined by our other host, Nick. We're speaking with Meg Yarnell, who is a Behavioral Health Program Manager for the County of Santa Cruz Children's Behavioral Health. We would like to remind listeners that the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or Your Futures Are Business. Please note that the information provided during this program does not reflect this career in its entirety. And is uh, there anything that you wish you knew going into this field when you first got into it? Um, I think that I didn't quite understand what the fiscal implications of choosing this career path would be. Um, what do you mean by fiscal implications for our listeners? Yeah, well, I think because I had come from a pretty much a middle class background, and so living on a social worker salary is sometimes challenging. You know, I was lucky because of that stipend that I mentioned and a great aunt who helped me pay for my master's program that I didn't come out with a lot of debt. But I know that a lot of students today come out with a tremendous Mm -hmm. amount of debt. So I would definitely encourage people to look into the different ways that you can serve your community um, and have some of that debt written off. There's several different programs that, you know, I encourage our clinicians to look into so that, you know, they're not carrying that debt forever. But that's really what I meant that you're not going into, I mean, and I never thought I was going into a profession where I was going to make millions or be rich. Yeah. You know, I was going into a profession <laughs> mm-hmm. that was meaningful to me and yeah. I felt really good about yeah. and had it, the core value of service at the center of it. Mm-hmm. But I just think that that's something that, and it's, I think, hard at 22 or, you know, in your 20s to really imagine what that's yeah. going to look like right. long term. And how would you say that the industry has changed since you first started, if at all? Yeah, I think definitely social work has changed. I mean, our core values are really the same, but our whole field around mental health is really looking at using more evidence-based practices, so things that have been researched that we know work, which is a great thing. The need for bilingual clinicians is huge. And obviously a bilingual clinician in our county can serve everybody for the most part. I mean, occasionally we'll get folks that don't speak English or Spanish, Mm -hmm. and then we need to get more help for that. But for the most part, I I think I would advise anybody considering going into the field to become bilingual in Spanish if they want to work here in Santa Cruz County, because it's just going to really help you. Gotcha. Have you had to make any difficult decisions in this career? Yeah. I mean, I think the 
the advocacy that that social workers do, and, and particularly for a long time, I worked on the team that was serving um, children that were involved in the child welfare programs. And sometimes you have to kind of stand up for what you think is right, and that's not always the most popular mm-hmm thing. So there have been times where I've had to kind of kind of put myself really out there with with what I think is the right thing. And those sometimes are be kind of gut wrenching. What are some of the uh, common misconceptions in your field of work? Um, I think, well, I mentioned it earlier, you know, a lot of people like if I tell them I'm a social worker, they're like, Oh, that must be so hard. (laughs) You know, and I think that for some people, it would be really hard. For me, I find so much joy and meaning in the work. And and it's such an honor to be part of the profession. But I think that is a misconception. And certainly, it's not for everybody. My husband works in IT. And there's no way I could sit on a computer coding all day. I mean, that would be really hard work for me. That's what Nick does. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. For him, uh, I imagine for him, you know, it may be difficult work to be providing therapy and things like that, things that, you know, might be easier for me. Everyone has a different set yeah. of skills. Absolutely. You know, can do everything. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Was there ever a time where you wanted to quit your job? Yes. I worked at a program. It was an um, adolescent day treatment program. It was a school-based program where I was working with 16 adolescents who had emotional disturbance that was getting in the way of their academics. And we had had a changeover in teachers. So we had two teachers that we were working with. And one of the teachers... I mean, I think honestly, she was quite burnt out. She was yelling at the kids a lot. And we would set up different, like maybe a coping plan or agreements with them to try to help them be more successful in school. And she would never kind of implement any of it and was more kind of pretty rigid. And she actually had been a drill sergeant in the military. And I think it kind of came from that of like, you do this, this is the consequence, no gray area. So we had been working with her, and this was in the 90s, you know, working with her to try to see could she loosen up a little bit. We would try to talk to her about what the kids were coping with in a way to hopefully foster some empathy and, you know, a little more um, compassion and just got nowhere. And this went on for like six months. And at that point, and, and she was not willing to change. And we didn't have enough strong enough collaboration with the school that we could go to them to say can you replace this teacher or anything like that and so at that point I really felt like it was a detriment to the youth that were working there to stay and so at that point I started looking for another job and that was when I got hired to go work at the program that was a residential program for the adolescent teenage girls who had been abused and neglected that was really the only time I ever thought of like quitting my job yeah. And you never thought about quitting the field entirely ever? No, no. <laughs> yeah, I've never thought about that. And I think that if I did, I, I don't even know. I mean, I've, I've, at different times I thought if I wasn't a social worker, like what would I be? But but because there's so much variety, I, I feel like if I ever really, like if I got burned out and was done yeah. with children's behavioral health, I'd, I'd probably look, yeah, exactly, into yeah. something else that was social work related. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I went to college, I was really interested also in environmental science, and that held a lot of appeal, I think, for some of the same reasons that social work did, just feel like you're actually making a difference in the yeah. world. And, and at that point, we were just really learning about global warming, and, uh, you know, New Jersey, like all the garbage problems we had and things like that. So I think that might have been, you know, if I, if I didn't go into social work, I might have gone in that direction, but... Yeah. Do you have any interesting stories or facts related to this job? I was thinking about that question because uh, throughout my career, I've met so many interesting people. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, you're in this profession as a social worker. Your, your job is to go and help people that I can't tell you how many clients have helped me. I feel like I've really benefited from the different relationships that I've had with my clients over the years and, and with people I've supervised over the years. And I was trying to think, could I share any of 
that and and some of that you know I can't because there's uh, this thing protected health information yeah. and so what someone tells me in therapy obviously I can never talk yeah. about but I, I definitely have had a range of wonderful people that I've worked with and known and and certainly seeing uh, you know one of the happiest moments when you're working with child welfare is when families reunify mm-hmm. and they're so much stronger and their communication is better and you know that next time they face a challenge they're going to have better skills to kind of work together and stay together so those are some of like my happiest memories. I've had several sad situations where children were not able to reunify with their families for one reason or another and seeing maybe them be adopted in a, in a new home that's able to keep the relationships with the um, the current parents. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, such a wonderful thing to, to witness. That's great. And I'm curious to know, what is the biggest differences between being a program manager mm-hmm. versus being a social worker? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, well, if you're a clinician, so that might be a social worker or a licensed marriage and family therapist or even a licensed professional um, counselor, um, you know, you're working directly with families and, and children. So that's really different than being a program manager where you really have kind of a higher level view. You know, you might be hearing about what's going on, but you're not in the room with folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the biggest difference. And of course, as a program manager, you have kind of a uh, ability to evoke system change that a clinician doesn't have as much ability to do just because of their role within the system. And so for me, like we've been engaged in a trauma-informed systems improvement project for about five years now that's really yielding positive results. I think our the morale of our staff is much better, and I think we're better able to serve the community because we're recognizing that the, the trauma the clients experience also has impacts on the system and that if the system is healthier, we're going to serve our clients better. Do you think to be a program manager, you should be a clinician first and transition to that? That's a good question, Nick. I don't know. I mean, I do think that you need those clinical skills, but I realized I didn't get any, I didn't go to program manager school. So I think there's things that I really don't know that somebody who did go to program manager school would know. At the university that I went to, they had two tracks. They had an administrative master's and a clinical master's. And I did, obviously, the clinical uh, master's program. And I think there are folks that have probably had more leadership training as a in management that probably helps to benefit the organization, too. What's something that you have gained from this job? Oh, my gosh, so much. Um, I mean, I think being a social worker, it's like at the core of my identity at this mm-hmm. point. And certainly the one of the core values is around social justice for social workers. And that is really important to me. And I think particularly as a white person in this field, really looking at the way my privilege plays out. I mean, even being a program manager, I haven't had to work nearly as as hard probably as a lot of the folks of color that are also, you know, in that same job class. I think just witnessing the resiliency of humans is so inspiring. I have worked with folks who have overcome tremendous loss and gone through experiences that I wonder how I would recover. And just seeing folks do that, I mean, it just fills me with hope and love for humanity. And also just knowing that regardless of whatever the problems are, if we all work together, we can find solutions. And I'm also, I'm of the Generation X generation and You know, I'm really excited to see how millennials and the generation below are going to solve, which I know they will, a lot of the problems that you've inherited from our generation and those before us. For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What to Be at KSQD 90.7 FM Santa Cruz. I'm Alina, and I'm joined by our other host, Nick. We're speaking with Meg Yarnell, who is a behavioral health program manager for the County of Santa Cruz Children's Behavioral Health. We would like to remind listeners that the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or your futures are business. 
Please note that the information provided during this program does not reflect this career in its entirety. We talked about your education and how you had failed one of your psychology classes mm-hmm. twice, mm-hmm. right? The main. Well, I got a D the first time and okay. failed the second. <laughs> how do you define success? Success. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone has their own definitions, but mm-hmm. it's not for a lot of people. I know when I was growing up, I always thought, oh. A big house, a white picket fence, but now it's completely changed. So I'm just curious to know how huh. your idea is. I mean, I think success is is really about resilience and not giving up. So it depends on what your dream is. I mean, throughout my career, I've had lots of different dreams, both professional and personal. And I feel pretty good about where I've gotten with things um, in my own life. But I think it's really about like, what is your vision for yourself? Mm-hmm. And then moving in that direction and not giving up and not letting other people define you um, mm-hmm. and knowing that if, if for some reason you can't fit your square peg into a round hole that there, you you will find a hole, you know, that will fit um, and just kind of trusting that as long as you stay true to yourself and you are walking in that direction that the right things are going to come into play. Has there been a piece of advice that has helped you in your career or your life? I think just that not giving up on your dreams and always kind of walking in that direction, even if you don't know how it's going to happen, is is an important one. And knowing that if it's not right now that you can't achieve it right now, that doesn't mean that you can't ever. And I've worked with and had coworkers who hadn't maybe didn't get their master's right away and were thinking about it. And it's a big decision to take on, especially maybe if you're married and you have family and you have lots of other responsibilities. And I remember a coworker who had gotten his master's was saying that he was talking to somebody else about whether or not he should do it. And the person said, yeah, well, in three years, you'll be 40. You'll either be 40 without the master's or you'll be 40 with the master's. So why not go for the master's? Right. <laughs> so I think there is a piece to that is, is not letting other people put limits on you mm-hmm. and really going for what, what seems true to you and what you're really, what direction you're going for. What advice would you give to someone who's interested in pursuing your career? I would t- tell them to go for it. And it's a wonderful wonderful profession to be part of. And there's so many, one thing that attracted me to social work is that social workers do a, a, such diverse work. I mean, you can work in mental health like I, I do. You can work in substance use disorder treatment. Um, you can work with every population within our society. Any social problems, for the most part, social workers are involved in. You really want to see a solution to all these folks that live in our community that don't have adequate housing. You could be a social worker and do that in a variety of different ways. You know, you can look at legislation and, and doing work around that. So I just think it's a, and if you ever get sick of any any one pocket of what you're doing, there's always mm-hmm. these other options. I worked at the Veterans Administration for a period of time, and that was really rewarding work. You know, I've worked in the nonprofit sector, which also has its, its um, really positive aspects. Mm-hmm. So there's just a lot of variety in social work. So if you're the kind of person that gets bored with one thing after a short period of time or even a longer period of time, social worker is a good, uh, it's a good choice. And there's a shortage um, nation, you know, nationwide for qualified mental health professionals and mm-hmm. social workers. So it's also a, a profession where you can, you know, you, it's, you'll find a job. And that's the other thing that drew me to social work. Um, I mean, I've lived in several different states now and you can easily find a job kind of no matter where you go. Which is nice. Did not know that. Mm. Yeah. Is there certain skills or like a personality that someone should have for this? I don't think there's a kind of personality for this. I mean, I feel like um, my coworkers over the year have been really varied. Um, I think in general, just because of 
what social work is all about is, you know, you have to be pretty open-minded and accepting. Self-efficacy is at the core of our work and self-determination, which is yeah. really about the person sitting in front of you that, that you may be supposed to help. It's really mm-hmm. up to them, like, what do they really want um, for their future, not what you think. So I think, you know, you have to be willing to kind of let go of, of some of your own ideas about what sh- people should do, because yeah. um, mm-hmm. it's really their life and, and you're there to kind of help in any way you can. So that that's an important piece. And I think somebody who always wants to keep learning because our mm-hmm. field is always um, changing and growing and you're never quite done. I was trained in eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, which is a evidence-based practice for trauma. And that, that was so rewarding. Doing that work was so rewarding. And there's lots of different therapies like that that you mm-hmm. can specialize in that can really provide so much help and hope for people. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing I think you just have to always be, you know, wanting more and never feel like you're done learning. Right. Do you think the field is like changing and progressing? Like how you deal with certain behaviors or traumas or Absolutely. just dealing with those kids? Yes. I think that um, all the the... What we now know about the brain is really shifting and changing the way folks work. There definitely, when I first got into the field, you know, there was this idea with trauma that, you know, you just have to talk about it, get the person to talk about it over and over until they're kind of desensitized. Um, And what we know now is actually sometimes you don't want to do that. That's kind of like the last thing you want to do. Um, And so then what would be an alternative? Well, um, you basically, there's, there's, multiple schools of thought around, you know, and different ways of working with trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, often the more we talk about things and process things, sometimes that's really helpful, right? Because it helps it move into our long-term memory. And so then we're no longer being triggered by things. Mm -hmm. And there's some different ways. EMDR is one. And then there's, you know, multiple different um, evidence-based modalities to help people move through trauma. But that's just kind of one example where I think our, our now that we understand more about the brain and the way it works, you know, I think, I mean, I think in 10 years from now, our profession is going to look really different because of that, because there's going to be different targeted ways to address some of the challenges that, you know, maybe got summed up as one diagnosis 10 years ago, and now we know are actually three different things, you know, Mm -hmm. and we're learning more and more about how substance use affects the developing babies when women are pregnant and how to help those babies if they have executive functioning problems, you know, how to help them. Um, And so, you know, there's just like this, it's an exciting time to be in the field because Mm -hmm. of all of that. Do you think it's pretty hard to change the old school way of thought of some, like how they go about certain things or? Um... I don't know. I mean, I I definitely, I feel like most of the folks that I have worked with over the course of my career are always learning and always interested to learning more because Mm -hmm. we're motivated. We want to help people. Mm -hmm. We don't want to do things that are not helpful. Um, And so I think for the most part, clinicians are eager for that knowledge and um, not just for the knowledge, but, but what do I do with it? You know, how do I, how do I put this into play and how do I put it into practice? Mm -hmm. And so say if a student is interested in doing social work, Mm -hmm. but they're under 18, what would you recommend for them to do to explore that and dip their toe in? Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's lots of different ways, you know, volunteering at different places that could give you a sense of that. So so that would be one way. And I think just exploring the profession would be another, just learning more about what social workers do. You know, we work in such, like I said, just a broad range of different agencies with different mandates. So that would be another thing to do. Um, I mean, I think it's essential 
for social workers that were good listeners. So learning that. I know a lot of schools have like peer counseling programs. That's a great mm. thing to do to dip your feet in the water and you, know, you learn some basic counseling skills, mm. which is, is a good thing to mm. practice and see how does that feel for you. Yeah. yeah. The last question that we have for you is, is there any thought or piece of advice that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Um, I guess the piece of advice would just be if you're interested, learn more. I'm, I mean, obviously I'm a social worker and, and you've already heard me, so you know that I'm a big fan of social work. It's an honor to be part of this profession and it's a really rewarding profession. It's You're doing meaningful work to help your community. I mean, it's the kind of profession that most days you go home feeling pretty good, which is nice. I mean, I definitely have known people over the years who like hate their jobs and um, for the most part, I love my job and it's you know, it's, it's a privilege. I mean, people kind of let you into their lives and tell you things that they don't tell their best friend, that they don't tell their husband or wife, and you get to be part of their journey towards healing. Wow. Well, thank you, Meg, for being our guest today. Thank you for having me. And thank you to all of our KSQD listeners for tuning in to today's Career Story with your hosts, Nick and Melina, on our show, What to Be, with today's guest, Meg Yarnell, who is a behavioral health program manager. If you have any questions or like to share your career story with us, send us an email what to be at ksqd.org. If you enjoyed our show, please join us again at 90.7 FM, KSQD Santa Cruz at 7 p.m. on Sundays or stream online at ksqd.org. Thank you for listening.